Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezrat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Pei Aleph from Masechas Ervin. But we are behind the eight ball, the 80 ball on Pei Bez. You like the, I, I debated whether to say that. We have no time for the jokes, that's the truth. Because we're six lines down on Pei Ahmed Bez. Uh, the Mishnah, the Mishnah on top of Pei Ahmed Bez. And let's see if we can make up some ground. So, we were talking about a Shituf Mavos. And the Mishnah says, Nitmaid HaOchel, what's going on here? Well, as we said, Shitufim Avos and Erev HaChatzeros, you're using food to make the collect, right? To bring everybody together. Because food in Judaism is very central and so that we, it brings everybody together. What happens if Nitmaid, if some of it gets eaten or disappears? So says the Mishnah, Mosif Umezake. In other words, in order to make the Shituf work, we already discussed yesterday, you have to, let's say, the, the Mishnah said, if it's your own food, you mezake other people with your own food. If it's other people's food that you're using to create this Erev, so then you have to notify, lehodia. So the question is, if food somehow disappears, right? The cat ate most of the food, and now you have to replace it, okay? So now you're replacing it with your own food. So interestingly enough, I'll say it a little bit outside first, interestingly enough, if it's, and we'll see it in the, in the, in the Gemara, if you replace it with the same food, so that everybody agreed to that food being the Erev. If you replaced it with different food, you might have to notify people that it's not the same food that it was. Why? Because for whatever reason, and Birmingham had great difficulty with this, people really cared about the food that was representing them in those days in the Erev. Today it's a box of matzahs, everybody's cool with it. Then, in those days, it was, considered some sort of source of pride or something, especially if people were bringing their own food, it became uh, contentious. They said, Mishum Eva, you need to have people, all, all of them, comfortable with uh, the fact that each person is pulling their weight, such that if one person brought a nice, beautiful challah, another person just brought a slice of bread, right, it could create some, some tension where the person who brought the challah would say, how, how come Andrew got away with a slice of bread? People cared about what they brought for the Arab for whatever reason. So you can't just switch up the Arab without notifying people. All right, we're going to get into that. Okay, so now, so, so that's what, that's the underpinnings of this Mishnah, where if the food has now dis, uh, disappeared for whatever reason, Mosif from Mizake. So you add your own food and you Mizake everyone, we don't need to tell them that we added on. Everyone already agreed to this Arab, and so we take that concept and we and we uh, assume that they would agree it's unilateral decision of adding on to this food fine now nitosu alehen but what happens nitosu alehen is more residents more people came for shabbos up to a certain amount then you can add food again to the air but you have to notify them if you desire to use their food okay so first of all by the way all of this is going to be for the following Shabbos. In other words, the Shabbos, if all of this Erev became diminished on Shabbos itself, then we already have, we can't evoke the concept of the Bein HaShemashos, right? This is not like a Mechitza that fell down. This is just a consortium. And so for the Erev, this, this, for Shabbos, as long as all the Erev was intact on Bein HaShemashos, it's going to be okay. But for the following Shabbos, you're going to be most of Muzake. But if there's more people, you're going to have to tell them why you're going to have to tell them? So we're, we're going to see. We're going to see uh, what happens and what what happens when more people are added on. Okay. So the Mishnah adds kamahu shiurun. 
what is the shear of food, literally when you're making, let's say, an air of shituf mavos, what is the food, how much food do people have to contribute if they're contributing their own food? So bizman shehen me rubin mazon shteis udos lakulo. Okay, so now we have a shear, right? These are all their abundance here. You know, it's not, you're not going to get a pasuk out of this. But the bottom line is that it, it makes sense, and they'll explain that when you have a lot of people, the shear is going to be mazon shteisudos. We'll see how much that is. Enough for two full meals. And those meals of one person, though. It's the amount that one person would eat, two full meals, is enough for thousands of people, for all of Baltimore. Mazon shteisudos. Bizman shein mu'atin. But if there are not that many people, then you won't even need that much. Rather, you need to have the food equivalent to a grogeris with a dry fig for everyone. How much is a grogeris? So the truth of the matter is that our Gemara on Dafpein Ervin is the source of a lot of the discussion amongst the Rishonim and the Machlokis about how much a grogeris is. It's similar to a kazais, but it's controversial whether it's more or less than a kazais. Our Gemara is going to give an indication that it's one way, other Gemaras elsewhere give an indication it's other way, and it's just, it's a tour of all of Shas to, uh, uh, that the Rishonim take you on to figure out how much a Gorogeris is versus a Kazais relative to a Kabeza. But be that as it may, Gorogeris is a small amount, like something like a Kazais, give or take, and therefore, and, and therefore, if the, let's say you have only the three of us <laughs> are joining in an Erev. So if you bring a small Gorgeras each, it's going to come out to less than Mazen Shtesudas, but it will be enough, right? So that's basically what it's saying. We're talking about very small amounts of food here. So Amar Biosi, Bamedvar Memorim. When do you have to worry about these measurements of the food? Betchilas Erev. Only when you're setting up in the initial setup of the Erev. As we know, the box of matzahs in Aguda Park Heights does not get replaced every week. You, it could set you up. They, they probably do replace it once a year, I would guess. That's, the, that's considered like the, the, the typical um, thing to do. But they don't replace it every week. So the initial setup, that's when you're worried about that shear of food. However, right, however, when you're talking about if people are actually nibbling at this air throughout the weeks, then literally only a kosher who needs to uh, uh, remain in order to suffice for that Erev to be valid. Uh, it could be that this actual Hemshech of the Mishnah is, is a continuation. In other words, it says in the end of this Mishnah now that the only reason why you have to make the Erev Chatzeros is It's so that people won't forget Right, you have children around, and they're going to eventually be adults. So when they are grown ups, they need to know that there's such a thing as an air of chatzeros. But otherwise, they really don't even need to have an air of chatzeros. What does that mean? In other words, we already have a shituf mavos. So there also here there's discussion in the Rishonim. What exactly the mission is saying? The most simple way to understand this is as follows: This is a case where you already have a shituf mavos, and if you already have a shituf mavos. So then you're making, you don't really need an air of chatzeros. So when you don't really need an air of chatzeros, we're going to be very, very lenient. And we're going to say, as long as there's a mashahu, right? The amount of food doesn't even matter. Because for purposes of carrying, you don't need anything. The really, it's only, right, ceremonial in order to keep this idea alive of air of chatzeros so that kids don't forget that this is a procedure that we do. Okay.
Good. The Gemara says, B'maya skina. The Gemara asked the following question. The Mishnah had said that if the Eruv gets diminished, it, you add food to it, Now the Gemara is going to bring up an interesting point, which is, what is the case? Let's see. So it's going to say min echad and minim. When it means that, when it says that, it means min echad means that you're replacing it with the same food. Shteminim means that you're replacing it with a different food. And as we said um, just now in the introduction over here, you have to keep in mind that people cared about what kind of food in those days was being used as the erev. So let's see. The maya skinan of min echad. If you're going to say they're replaced with the same food, my irin it might. Then why would the mishnah? The mishnah again. It says the the erev was diminished, and you don't have to notify. Well. If it was, if you're replacing it with the same food, then it doesn't even have to be diminished. It could be, uh, it could be complete, uh, completely gone entirely, and you still wouldn't have to notify anybody because, after all, you're replacing it with the same exact food that everyone agreed on before. As fo- so, let's read it inside. My Why do you have to say in the Mishnah that it was diminished? nami. Even if it was completely consumed, you would also not have to notify people if you're replacing it. After all, you are replacing it with the same. Food, and so that's what everyone already agreed to. So why would they need to be notified? Okay. So it can't be that, the case of min echad, ela bishneimin. Rather, what's going on here is you're replacing it with a different food than you had originally agreed to. But the problem is, bishneimin, I feel nami lo. The bishneimin, if you're replacing the eruv with food that nobody agreed to beforehand, that even if it was only diminished, you still would have to notify people that you're changing it, right? You can't just say, and again, the Mishnah said that it was nitmite, but then the afterwards, afterwards it might, you don't have to lohodia. So is it, so with one food, then it, you wouldn't say nitmite, you would say that it's even if it's completed, uh, completely, dimin- uh, completely taken away and demolished completely. And with two foods, then even if only a little bit was taken away, you'd have to notify people. So what is the mission saying? First, the mission, first, the Gemara is going to give a proof to the idea that you have to let people know when you're replacing it as follows. Detanya, like we learned in Abraisa. If the food was completely take, um, consumed, you don't have to notify them as long as it is from one min. However, if the erv was consumed and you replaced it with a different min, then you have to notify people. This brisa that it's quoting seems to imply that that would be true whether a lot was taken, all of it was taken, or even just a little bit was taken. You would have to notify people if only a little bit of the air was consumed. So how is our Mishnah going to be uh, resolved as follows? The Gemara says, E-bais, you could really resolve it both ways. E-bais, min echad. You could say that you replaced it with the same bagels that you originally set up the air with, or you could say that you replace the bagels with matzahs. How so? Right? If you say that you replaced it with the same bagels, then it doesn't really mean that it was diminished, but rather it was completely consumed. Okay, so that makes sense. In other words, we agreed. We said that if it was completely consumed, you can replace it. So therefore, that would be consistent with our Mishnah. Or you could say that you replaced the bagels with matzah, but kala shiny. And you could say that the brysa was ambiguous. The brysa said, right, that you don't have to notify people. But it could be that the brysa was talking about a case where you actually only was diminished, but it was not completely consumed. 
Maybe our Mishnah is talking about a case where it was completely consumed. If it was completely consumed, then you would have to notify people, um, uh, right? But really, the case is that really, if it was only Nitmait, as is in our Mishnah, in other words, the Brisa says that you have to notify people if you're changing bagels to matzah. But our Mishnah says that only if it's Nitmait, you don't have to notify people. So maybe the Brisa was talking about when it was completely consumed. And our Mishnah is talking about where it was only Nitmait. Because our Mishnah, right, because the Brisa is ambiguous, but our Mishnah is specific. Our Mishnah is saying clearly that it's talking about a case where it was only diminished. And therefore, it's different than the Brisa, because if it's only diminished, then you don't have to notify people if you're changing it from bagels to matzahs, because after all, some of the original bagels are still there, and therefore it's okay. Okay. And that would make sense, right? Because we said if an Erev, after the initial setup, becomes diminished, then it's still okay. So you're really only being mashlim with matzahs just to keep the volume, right? Uh, just to keep the volume up, but you really don't need to do that altogether. So therefore, it makes sense that that would be okay. All right. Two dots in the middle of the page. Nitosfu alehen moisifu mezake. More residents were added. So now we're going to get into the, a little bit of the, um, of what's going on when people show up from out of town. So, right, this is very, this resonates with me because I showed up and the Baltimore already had an Eruv when I came here. So how was I included in this Eruv? So Amar of Shizvi, Amar of Chista. Zotomeret chalukin alav chaver val rabbi Yehuda. It sounds like Rabbi Yehuda was cholik on his colleagues. How so? Because we learned in the Mishnah, Amar Rabbi Yehuda, Bamed Dvarim Amurim Be'eruve Techumen, Aval Be'eruve Chatseros Me'arvin Bein Ladas Vein Shaloladas. Wow. Back to the, con- the contrast between Eruv Techumen and Eruv Chatseros. So we had said before, right, that Eruv Chatseros, we said, can be made with or without Das. Right, so that seems to be against our Mishnah. Our Mishnah is telling us that you need consent of people as they come into town. But we don't hold like this, right? We, we, we hold that you don't need consent of new residents. Nobody called me when I moved to Baltimore to ask if I consent to the, to the Eruv. However, according to Rabbi Huda, it sounds like they would have to, right? Because that's what he says in our Mishnah. So Gemara asks, Pshita de Chalukin. Yeah, of course. Rabbi Huda says that you need consent of new people. And so therefore, what was the statement of Rav Shizvi? He's not, Rav Shizvi is like Captain Obvious over here. He's pointing out that Rav Yehuda argues with, with our Mishnah. Yeah, of course. The, our Mishnah says that you, our usual halacha is that you don't have to consent. And Rav Yehuda holds that you do have to consent to the Arabs. So obviously they're being cholik. So the Gemara answers no. Ma'od detema, you might have thought, this is why Rav Shizvi is actually saying a chiddish. Because you might have thought, hani mili you might have thought that the ruling of our Mishnah is when you have a chatzer in between two streets. So the halacha is that really you're only allowed to make a sheet of mavaz in such a situation with one of the two streets. And therefore we don't know which one of the two streets are included in this sheet of mavaz. So you would say that in that case, aim low. That you might think that in that case you don't need consent. Right? Maybe, uh, maybe the Mishnah would agree that if, that you don't need, uh, consent in that kind of scenario. Kamash Malan, so Shizvi therefore have to tell us, right, that our Mishnah is talking about a case where even though the Chatzar only has one Mavoy, even then you still need consent. And that's the Chedish of Shizvi. Okay, 16, two dots, 16 lines up from the bottom. Kamahushi Uro. Okay, so this is, this is, this Gemara becomes the source of a lot of the Shi'urim discussions in the Rishonim all over Shas. Kamahumirubin. So first it starts with the following math. How many people are added on? Amr Rehud Amr Shmuel 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 Adam. 18 people. Where do you get 18? 
18 is very symbolic, but what does it mean? So, Shemunasar, Vesulo, so that's the Gemara. Only 18? Like, if you have 19 people, that's not a lot of people. So the Gemara answers, don't be a wise guy. No, it means 18 is where it becomes a lot of people. Anything more than 18, so 18 or more is a lot of people. Okay. So what's the reason that he just said the number Shemones, right? Where did he come from? So, This Mishnah was explained to me by my father. Wow, Rabbi Yehuda. As follows. Right? So you just do the math. We know that up until the volume that would be for one human being, up until that point, that each individual only has to bring be represented by one Grogeris. Okay? So, therefore, just do the math backwards. That if you were to divide the number, the Shtesudos Beinehem, into the number of people that are included in the air of the Ein Magas Kogeris, so called Echad Echad, and the if you were to do so, so let's say you have a hundred people in this Erev, then you have the Shtei Muslim Shtei Seudos, and you divide it up. So, so clearly, if you divided up the Shtei Seudos amongst a hundred people, each shear would be less than a Gorgeris, right? So the question is, what's the smallest number of people where? Once you divide it up, it becomes a Grogaris for each person. So that's 18 people, right? So any, so anything more than that, then the shear for each individual would be less than a Grogaris. So it's simple math. 18 people comes out that there's 18 Grogaris in Mazon Shte Sudos. There's a machlokas. How much is Mazon Shte Sudos? Don't be, don't, um, don't worry. There's a machlokas whether it's that six kvetsim or it's eight kvetsim. And therefore, it's based off of this math of Mazon Shtei Sudos representing 18 Gorgaris. It's based off of that math that we get into the whole discussion of Shiurim. And, the, and um, Arya Leibowitz, the great Yomi master, quoted the Noda Behuda that in order to resolve contradictions in the Rambam between whether a Kazais or Gorgaris is more or less, it's talking about a Kazais, one, one Kabetza is with the Klipa, with the peel, one is without the peel. It gets involved because some of the uh, sources seem to contradict and you have to sort it out. Anyway, be that as it may, 18 people is the amount that if you, each person to represent one Gorgeras in Mazon Shtei Sudos. That's the point. So that's what the Gemara is saying here. We'll read it inside now. And each portion won't reach the size of a Gorgeras. That's called a lot of people. Once you get past that number of people, then Muslim Shte Sudas would cover everyone, as we do here in Baltimore. Muslim Shte Sudas for the entire community. And if you don't have that many people, meaning less than 18, then that's considered less. So Agav Urche means that just by learning that the, what's considered to be a lot of people is 18, from there we learn that Muslim Shtei Sudos equals 18 Grogros. Go ahead and do the math, and you'll figure out how much a Grogros is, how much a Kabetza, how much a Kazais. Have a good time. We usually, right, the, the thing that we most commonly recall is that two Kazaisim is a Kabetza, right? That's like, that's the most elementary uh, um, sort of piece of knowledge with Ishurim. That in itself is not held um, universally by everyone, but we, we, we resume on the Mishnah, on the bottom, five lines up from Pei Amad Beis. Okay, the Mishnah says, what kind of foods can you use for this Erev or, sh- or Shituf? As follows, says the Mishnah, Bechol me'arvin and mishtatfin, 
You can use any kind of food. For an Erev, chutz min hamayim u min But you can't use water and salt. Does this sound familiar to anybody? We had the same exact Mishnah in Daf Chavav, except for that there we were talking about Erev Tuchumin. There we were talking about Erev Tuchumin. In order, the kind of Erev that we have to use, the kind of food we have to use to set up an Erev Tuchumin. Okay, to, but there we had no machlokas about that. Everybody agreed that you could use any food for Erev Tuchumin. But here we have a machlokas. That's why it's not even the same mission at all. Even though it uses the same exact words, it's talking about a different kind of Erev, right? Here we're talking about Erev Chatzeros and Shituf Mavos. So for that you need, there's a machlokas whether you need more food. Again, why, what would be the reason? Because in those days, Right? People cared. So anytime you had a group of people putting in, so everybody's looking at their neighbor, seeing what they're contributing to the Erev. When you're doing an Erev Tchumin, that's a personal decision. Do whatever you want. That's your own private matter. We'll see. Okay. So anyway, Diver Rebbe Leezer. Leezer holds, you can use any kind of food except for Mayim and Malach. That's not even food. That's like minerals. Rebbe Yeshua Omer, Kikar Hu Erev. That a whole loaf of bread is valid as an Erev. Afil Ma'afes saw. V'hu Prusa Ein Ma'arvin Ba. Yeshua cautions, do not use sliced bread. You have to use one whole bread as shalem, right? Even if you did me'afesah, you, you brought the whole bakery down and, and you went to Goldberg's and you made the world's biggest bagel the size of a building, but it's not kahol, it's, just, it's a slice. That's not good. That would not be good for the Erev. Kikar ke'isar. It has to be a shalem, right? But if you have a kikar, a whole loaf, and it's even the size of a little coin, huvehu shalem me'arvin bo. That would be good. So, right, he's bringing home the point that he wants this to be a shalem. As we arrive with Shlemus at the time of 5.57 a.m. at Dafpei, Aleph, Amad Aleph, and the Gemara. As follows. Tarina Chadazimna, we learned this once before, says the Gemara. Aha, but we already know. We're smart, we're smart enough to remember that. When did we say? Right? We already learned this. Why is the Mishnah repeating the same halacha? Says the Gemara. Amar Yeshua. Yeah. In, in, when we talk, talked about Erev Tchumen, we didn't have anybody arguing about that. Everybody agreed that you could use any food for Erev Tchumen. But here we had to repeat it to show that Rabbi Yeshua holds that the Erev Chatzeros um, requires dafka bread. The Amar kicker in midach rinalo. Right? So we are just repeated it in order to contrast with the sheet of Rabbi Yeshua. That says that you must use bread, but you can't use any other kind of food. Kamash Malan Bakal. And that, our, our mission therefore informs us that according to the Tanakama here, which is Rabbi Liezer, the Erev Tchomen and the Erev Chatzeros would have the same halacha, which is that you could use any food. So now, Eishve Abaye. Abaye says, Bechol Ma'arvin Erev Chatzeros, Bechol Mishtatvin Shitufe Mavos. Right? So, the Brisa says that you can use Erev Chatzeros, anything for Erev Chatzeros and Shitufe Mavos. This sounds like Rabbi Leezer. Okay. Velo Amr Arv Bepaz. And they said that you, you don't need to be Ma'arv with bread. Ela Bechatzer Bilvad. You only need to, to be Ma'arv with bread with, with, uh, in a Chatzer. Rashi explains, what do you mean in a Chatzer? In, as opposed to in Shitufe Mavos. This is what Rashi is saying. But be that as it may, the Brisa is very, is very confusing. The Brisa starts off saying you can use an Erev for anything, and then it says, you can use anything for an Erev, and then it says, yeah, but for a ch- but when we say that you only need to use bread, we're talking about a chatzer. So, so which is it? Can you use anything, or do you need to use bread? The Brisa seems to be reflecting both of the positions of our mission. So what's going on? So Abaye says, is going to explain exactly what his problem is based off of this Brisa as follows. Man shmat le de amar, 
pas in midechrin alo. Who said that you have to use pot? Rabbi Yeshua. So that's Rabbi Yeshua in our Mishnah. Bektani bakol. Yeah, but the beginning of the Brisa says bakol. You could use anything. So, so, so the Brisa is confusing to us and that's a problem. So what are we going to say? So the Gemara is going to say, no, this is how our Mishnah is, it reads. Our Mishnah is repeating the ruling of the Erev Tchumim to write, to say, to contrast with Rabbi Yeshua. The Amar Shlema in Prusa Lo. Kamash Malan Bakal. Okay, so the way you come out with this is one answer is as follows. That Rabbi Yeshua, that really, according to Rabbi Yeshua, the Brisa and the Mishnah is going to say the following, that really you need to use bread for Erev Chatseros. And the uh, Hava Amina is that you can't use a Prusa, that you can't use a loaf of bread that's sliced. And therefore, when it says bakol, it doesn't mean you can use any food. Rather, it means that Rabbi Yeshua would, needs, requires you to use a shalim for bread, but the Mishnah is teaching you that you need to use bread, yes, but it doesn't have to be shalim, it can even be sliced bread. A little bit confusing, but that's what it means. Now, the Gemara then asks, Why wouldn't you be allowed to use sliced bread? What's the difference between sliced bread and whole bread? This is what we said before, that if people are going to come, can you imagine if we're all, if we're all uh, uh, contributing to the bread and Chaim Shechter walks in and with a beautiful challah and he realizes that, that we contributed sliced bread? And this is the best joke I've, I've ever said in Daf, so guys, get ready. It, to use sliced bread is pasnished. <laughs> All right. Amalei Rabacha Bere de Ravalar Vashi. Irvu Kulan Bifrusos Mahu. If all the residents contributed um, just sliced bread, Mahu. That's an interesting question, right? Let's say Chaim's on board. Everybody agrees. We have a shul meeting and we say, you know what? We're not going to require everyone to bring whole bread. Everybody can bring slices. So now you don't have the problem of Eva, right? You don't have these, you know, these arms race like you have with Shalchmanus. And with Pesach programs where everybody has to have the best one, just every, we, we're going to take out, right, with Takanas. We're going to say, everyone's going to bring sliced bread, it's fine. We're down to earth Baltimore people. So Amalei, Ravashi replied to Ravacha, Shema Yachzor Vdorvalo Kilkula. Yeah, you could try, and theoretically that would work for like this first few years, but then things are going to get out of hand when people move in and, and everyone's going to try to outdo each other and it's going to cause contention. Anyway, isn't that interesting that there used to be contention about even what they used as the heir of... Okay, amazing. Fifteen lines down. Okay, let's say a piece of the, of the loaf of bread was removed. Okay, what's going on here? Oh, So what's going on here is as follows. Everybody shows up with their whole bread, let's say in this case, to contribute to the Erev. And, and then Andrew says, oh, wait a minute, I forgot to be mafresh chala. Right? Or dimua is, inter, is when truma is intermixed in it, the dimua is basically you have to take off one one hundredth. The chala, it's a, like a machlokas. Uh, in some cases you have to take off one twenty-fourth, some cases you have to take off one forty-eighth, depending on whether it's like industrial or, or, and commercial or residential kind of chala that you're making, as we will see in the Gemara. The point is, it's a small portion, but what happens when you talk of the small per- portion is that you no longer have a shalim. That's the issue. So the question is, what's the priority? As you're showing up, would you rather have a loaf of bread that wasn't mafresh chala and keep it whole? Or are we going to say, fine, just be mafresh chala and we'll have your slightly deficient bread in here? So the answer is, we'd ra- we don't want it to be, you, you, can't, you have to be mafresh chala. 
Because the Erev has to be edible, has to be consumable. So we're going to say, right, right, so you can, in fact, right, this is what Rashi is explaining, um, right, that you can, in fact, we're going to ask you to be mafresh chala, or to take off the, the, the demise, so as it were, the dimua, in order to bring the chala, right? So even though that it, the chala is not going to be shalem, that's going to be the tikkun. I have a great story with Shalom Zaman here, but I cannot, uh, I don't, we don't have time for it, but just see chalasa over here, Rashi says it beautifully, eno chisaron shezehu tikuna. It was a beautiful story basically where you, where something seemed like it would be a chisaron, right? But sometimes if you're doing the right thing for the right reasons, like being mafresh chala, Fine, I'll tell the story real quick. The woman, the girl was cut on her face and she went to Shlomo Zalman to ask if she could, actually went to Rabbi David to ask if she could be uh, healed and sutured on Shabbos. That's fear. We said this story when we were talking about Shabbos. And, the, and Rabbi David got a second opinion. He said it might get infected, therefore you can suture it on, on Shabbos. Otherwise it would be disfiguring. Uh, but, that's, but that's not why you made the psak. You could only get the psak if there was pikuach nefesh. Disfiguring is not a reason to suture on Shabbos. But when the question was brought to Rav Shlomo Zalman after Shabbos, he said, no, right? This is going to be the most beautiful thing about this girl, that she didn't suture up the wound, assuming it was, you know, not dangerous for the purpose of Shabbos. So sometimes that which you're scared is going to be the thing that's going to make it the worst is in fact the thing that's the, that makes it good. So in this case, it's a perfect analogy because you think it's a deficiency in the bread, but it's not a deficiency in the bread. It's challah being taken off, making it edible. So chisroina, that little piece of bread that's missing, zui tikuna, is actually what's making it good. And therefore, nobody would um, begrudge Andrew's not complete bread and we could include it in the era of... Okay, but the Gemara asks, Vatanya kedei dimua, but we already learned in the Brisa that when you when you mix in the truma, me'arvin loba, you can make an erev with it, kedei chalasa ein me'arvin loba. But if we have to take off chala, which we said was more, uh, a larger fraction, of, then you, that would be too much to take off, and you can't be ma'ariv with it. So the Gemara answered, Lokasha, haba chala, snachtom, haba chala, balabais. This is what we mentioned before. Chala snachtom is commercial chala. Chala snachtom is, is the, is the kind of chala where it's okay, because you only have to take off 148th. Chala balabais, homemade chala, it's not okay, because you're taking off a whole 24, 24th of it, that's already too much to take off. But we don't have to worry with Andrew, and we know Andrew buys, has a store-bought challah, and therefore, that, that's terrible. I, you know, I would never say that about Laneige. I'm sure she bakes every week. Ditnan. We learned in the Mishnah, Shir challah echad me'esrim ve'arba. As we said in the Mishnah, this is, where is this Mishnah? You want to guess? Masechus challah. Shir challah echad me'esrim ve'arba. The shir that you have to take off a challah is 124th. Ha'osa isa la'atmo. That's if you're making it at home. But isa la'mishnah b'no. Whether you're making home baked challah for your son's wedding or for yourself, it's one in twenty fourth. However, nachtom shu also lim But if you're a baker and you're making tons of challah all the time, or similarly, so again, the determining factor is not who's making it, how they're making it, but basically whether you're making it commercially or for personal use. If you're making it commercially, then it's achad me'arba in vishmona. See that mishnah in challah, perak beis mishnah zayin. And we go on. Now, Dimua, of course, is not even going to be a Shiloh because that's one in a hundred. Okay, so 20 lines up on Pei Aleph Amad Aleph. Amar Pchista Tfar Bikisam. I was once at Rabbi um, Rafal Willig Shlita's house and his wife made a beautiful challah. He's making a motzi and the thing splits in half. 
Okay? And so he put it back together beautifully. You couldn't even tell that it had fractured. And he put it together with toothpicks. And he said, the Mishnah Brewer says, if you put it together with toothpicks and it looks whole and you can't tell, then it actually works. I thought he was kidding. But no, here it is. In black on white. Tfar bikisam. You sutured it, so to speak, with a toothpick or a splinter and you put it together. Ma'arvin loba. It's still considered a shalem. So yeah, it's true. It's in the Mishnah Brewer. I saw the article quotes. Okay, v'hatanya ein ma'arvin. So would this also apply to shleimus for lecha mishnah on Shabbos? Presumably, it's the same halacha. It keeps it whole. I v'hatanya ein ma'arvin laba. We said you can't make an eruv with that. So lo kasha ha di di yedia tifra ha delo yedia tifra. The yedia tifra means that the suture is noticeable. Ha delo yedia tifra. But if you made as Rafal Willig did a beautiful suturing job with toothpicks and yachalas, nobody so that when said wife, when Rebbitz and Vivian comes in, she can't tell that anything happened at all, so then it would work. So it all depends there on the optics, right? If you see that it looks whole, then it would work. Okay. Can you use rice bread or millet bread for an Erev? So Amar Ukva Lididi Miprashali Shmuel. It was explained to me different by Shmuel, but Pas Oriz Me Arvin or Pas Dokhan Ain Me Arvin. I had heard from Shmuel that yeah, rice bread is okay, but you can't use the millet bread. Amar Fia Barabin Amarav Me Arvin Bepas Adashim. We could even use lentil bread. So the Gemara Aini, is that true? Vahahahi de Havai Bishne de Mar Shmuel, that the type of lentil bread that was made in the years of Shmuel was nasty, really gross. How gross? They would throw it to the dogs and the dog would be like, are you kidding? I'm not eating this. Wow. Okay, so I eat the Sharaminim Havya. Okay, the Gemara answer is no. That particular loaf that even dogs wouldn't eat, that was not just millet bread. That was like the gefilte fish of chalas. It was filled with all kinds of other ingredients. The chsev, like we say in the Pasuket, so each one of these things, maybe lentils and wheat and barley in and of themselves, would qualify as an Erev. But you mix it with the beans and the millet and all the other stuff, it was so gross that it was unedible. With Papa Amar, and this, these were bad times, right? So Papa Amar, and not only that, but what did they use as fuel to sort of bake this bread? Human feces. This is, this is really gross bread. How do we know that's a Pasuk for that? To Gena Leinehem, right? This mixture baking with human feces in front of their eyes—it's—it's it's really not not delicious. So then, wait a minute. Why does the pasuk say that it's a barley cake? That—that that sounds like it only had one ingredient. So the Gemara says one of two possibilities. One possibility is Lishiurim that you read Seorim. You read it differently. You read it with the word she, like the word Shiurim. It's like a Kriyaksiv type thing, and Shiurim just means it's so nasty. It's not that it's just made out of barley. It's made out of all these other ingredients and cooked up on feces, but it's so nasty that you can only eat it in shiurim. It's made for real poor people to eat in small, small pieces. Or Rav Papa Amar Arivasa Karivas Oyrim. Its shape was like an, it's not that it was made exclusively of barley, but it was shaped like the ugly barley chalas, and not like the beautiful wheat chalas. So that's a diet for anyone who's going on a diet. Uh, take your food and make it disgusting for you, uh, perhaps roast it over human feces, and then you'll only want to eat a little bit, enough to sustain you, and so if you eat only things that you don't like to eat and are disgusting to you, you will lose weight uh, uh, quickly. The the, um, the the idea in Yechezka was not weight loss, but simply preservation, so that each person would only eat a very small amount because it was 
bad times. Okay, mission on the bottom of Payalaf Ahmed Aleph. What time is it? Oh, 6 11 a.m. We're making progress. What's going on here? So, this is interesting. We talked about being Mizaka people in the Arab, right? So here, let's say a person, now there's like a little bit of like, um, a little bit of, of Nazikin here. Um, so, amazingly, right, you want to give money for the Arab. You want to participate. So some people participate with food, some people participate with money. So what if a person gave a chenvani in a nachtam? You go to the local bakery and you say, you know what, here's some money. Kadeshi is zakilo Erev. And you can uh, you just include me in the Erev. Like get your, you go to Goldberg's and you give them some money and say, yeah, when they bring in the bagels for the Erev, I want you to be included. Diver Rebeliezer. So Rebeliezer said, that's fine. That's a good way to be Mishtatif. Like Mishtatif Bepruta, so to speak. Not really, but you're paying money instead of giving bread. Fine. That the money doesn't acquire the Erev for him. In other words, you have to bring in a bagel, not an Erev. Just pay attention to what's going on here. Amazingly, Chachamim are saying that if you bring money for the Erev food, it makes it worse for acquiring the Erev for you than getting it for free. It comes down to what, in fact, is Konet. What is, right? Because in order to be participate in the Erev, there has to be a Kenyan here, right? They're trying to be, confer this Kenyan on you to include you in the Erev. So the problem is, if you actually pay Goldberg's bagels, you're going to actually suit, get yourself out of the Erev. Because why? Because Goldberg, a Dan Goldberg, is in the business of selling these bagels. So he never gives it for free. If you just said, hey, can you, can I be Mishtatif in the Erev? Then he can include you in the Erev for free. But if you actually paid for it, you literally paid out. <laughs> you, you opted out of the Erev by extracting whatever it is that you paid for from the Erev. That's amazing. That's what the Rashi, the last Rashi in Pe'alaf Ahmed, Ahmed uh, Aleph is explaining. She'ein ma'os konos ad she'yimshoch, right? Because how does a Kenyan work? We're about to get into this. How does a Kenyan work? A Kenyan works like this. I give you money and I take the object. Yeah, but at what point do we make the Kenyan? Right? This is a, this, now it feels like Baba Kama, right? Or Matsuyo. At what point am I making the Kenyan? Am I making the Kenyan at the time that I gave you the money or at the time that I took the item? At what point is that Kenyan, um, chal, as the word, as they say? So it says, this is Rashi is amazing. Even if everyone else, this one guy, Goldberg's Bagels, they're, I forgot his name. What's his name? The guy who owned it. Yaakov. Yeah, even if Yaakov, um, if he was being Mazaka everyone else, for free. And Andrew, and he was Mazaka Andrew. It's not going to work if Andrew wants to pay. Andrew's always, he's that guy who wants to pay his way. He's like, I don't want it for free. But the problem is, Yaakov, once Andrew pays, so Kasher Mazaka and Be'erv, El Eliknos Hamal. Right? So what happened here? Andrew gave Yaakov money, but he didn't take any bagels. So the most enokonos lo samcha daita dehai v'lo havi daita laknuye v'nimtza me'arvlo b'maosav shalomi daito. Wow! So the, the, so by Andrew paying his way, he actually ruined the das. It all has to do with the das. So let's see. Let's turn to pay Aleph on the bays and see what's going on here. Moedim b'shar kol adam. So this only has to do if you're doing with Yaakov from Goldberg's bagels. That's the only way it's going to ruin it. But in all other people who are not bagel merchants, okay, if Andrew gave the money, Shazaku Lumaosa, that would be enough. You could be Mishtatef with your money. Shein Me'arvin Lo Adam Elamidaito. Right? You make an heir for a person with their consent. 
right? So it's assumed that you have consent. The first Rashi and pay Aleph Amabes. Moedim Bishar Kaladim. Balabais, the Ragil Limkor Kikaros, Lonis Kavin Ze, Elazosa Shliach. Venasa Kaomerlo Arevli. Okay, Begabi Chenvani Gufe, Yamale Arevli, I mean Begumar Dakani. So it's important to, to note. But really what's the essential issue here is what is the, so let's say Yaakov from Goldberg's Bagels is the dude that's making the air for the whole community. Okay. So it's just a question of what his mindset is. Does he include Andrew or does he not? So if Andrew pays him, so Yaakov, he sells these things for a living. So he like literally would exclude him. Okay. But if it was Dan and Dan's the one that's making the air and Yaakov gives him money and, and, and Andrew gives him money in order to be Mishtatev. So Dan knows that he's just sending him as a shliach to make the air. Dan doesn't sell bagels, right? So he's, he doesn't see this money as, as being in lieu of giving him back his bagels, right? He just sees this money as making him a shaliach to make the air for him. So he'll take it like as tzedakah money or as a payment for his shlichos. So isn't that interesting? The mindset of the person making the Erev is what determines whether Andrew is going to be in or out. So if the person making the Erev sells bagels for a living, then he sees it as a transaction, as a purchase. And, and, and if the person doing it is just putting the Erev together because he's like a, right, a person who's, who's helped, helps out in the shul, so then, of course, it would be valid. Okay, so Amar Yehuda b'Medvar Memorim be'Eruve Tchumin. All this hack is by Eruve Tchumin. Avol be'Eruve Chatseros me'Arvin Ladaito Shalol Ladaito. But if we were talking Eruve Chatseros, then it doesn't matter what the das of the person is. Lafish Zachin Ladam Shalol Befanav Bein Chavin Ladam Shalol Befanav. This goes back to what we said before that when it comes to Eruve Chatseros, everybody wants an Eruve in the community, and therefore the das is always going to assume that Andrew wants to be included in the Eruve. Of course, he does. Eruve Tchumin, as we had said, that's already very subjective, right? Because one person may want to go uh, east while the other person wants to go west. Let's see the Gemara on Pei Aleph at the symbolic time of 6.17 a.m. Time, my time of the Rebbe Liezer. What's the uh, reasoning of Rebbe Liezer that holds that you can, in fact, acquire your share in the air with a payment? As follows. Hello, Mashach. Is the reason is because he didn't, right, so Meshicha, he didn't take the bagel into his own possession. Amar of Nachman, Amar of Rabba, Bar Abau, Asar Rabbi Leezer, Karba, Prokim, Bishana. Rav Nachman is echoing a Mishnah, a Mishnah that has, uh, in Chulin, that talks about four times a year. What are the four times a year? They are the four times a year where butchers are the busiest. When are butchers busiest? You gotta ask, you gotta ask, um, well, you can ask Wasserman, you can ask Blumberger, you can ask Moenzada. When is the butcher busiest? I'll tell you. It says in that mission in Chulin that Shmini basically Pesach Shavuos and Sukkot, except for Sukkot, for some reason, it points us out Simchas Torah. That's when people pig out even more. Erev Pesach, Erev Shavuos, and also Erev Rosh Hashanah. That is when the butchers are the busiest. They're all making food. So that's not. That mission Chulin says the following. Barbara Parkim Elu on those four dates, Mashchitin at the Tabach Balkorcho. Oh. So in that case, we're going to make the butcher, he's just keep, keep shechting, keep shechting, because even if Andrew shows up and you don't think you're going to have more customers, and Andrew, he's only ordering a half a pound, but you're going to kill a whole cow for half a pound? Yes, you are. Afilu shor shava elef dinar, even if a thousand dinar shor, ve'ein lelokecha dinar echad, and Andrew shows up with one misli dinar, we're going to make you shechted. Kofinot alishchot. Wow, we make the butcher shecht, lefichach imes, mes alokech. And it's already shechting, uh, it's already considered shechted. It's only on those four days. So again, we see this concept that the mindset of the person who is either selling the bagels or the butcher, the mindset depends on the Kenyan. So this is already something that requires and deserves great 
uh, analysis, but the point is that if the animal died, it's considered like Andrew's animal already. That's how much we are um, conferring every animal to the customer on those four special high volume days. So the Gemara asks, wait a minute, wait a minute, if it dies, it's considered Andrew's? Hello, Mashach. Andrew just showed up in the store with a satchel of money. Like, he didn't do any Mashiach, he didn't make any Kenyan. Why is the animal his? So the Gemara answers, I'm Ravuna, No, it's the case where Andrew, he did, in fact, pull the bull by the ear, and therefore that's why it's his. So the Gemara asks, well, he, achi, yeah, but the, the hemshech of the Mishnah is that that's the way it is on those specific days, that it, it's Andrew's. But the rest of the year, so if it dies, it's, it, it belongs to the butcher. But why? Amai, hamashach. If you're telling me that the case is where Andrew already did Mashiach, so why would it belong to the butcher the rest of the year? So Amar, Shmuel, by Yitzchak, la'ola, mishalom, No, Andrew never touched the animal yet. No, but it, but what's happening is unique case. The butcher was mezakim through a third party shliach. Okay, well that's similar to what happens with an Arab, by the way, right? We're, we're mezakim Rabbi Heinemann Shlita to be mezakim for us. So Arba prakim elu lo. So on those four special days, zachin lo shalom befanav. Then we're going to be mezakim for him even if he's not around, because we assume, we know Andrew's going to come in to buy his yant of meat. However, the rest of the days, it's a chov for Andrew to buy meat. Why? Because on Yantiv it's a zichoy, it's very interesting. The same, right, it depends, on everything is in context. On Yantiv it's a big schos to buy the meat, because it's owning Yantiv. During the week, it's not a schos to buy the week, meat, because it's expensive. It's just a waste of money. Therefore, ain't chavin lo lo So that's the difference between shari mosachama, uh, shari mosachana, and, um, and Yantiv, that on Yantiv, it's a schos to have this meat, even though it's going to cost you, and the rest of the year, it's a chova because it's expensive, unnecessarily. You should save that money for Yantiv. Okay. He says, they reestablished the halacha on the basis of what? Halacha's deraisa. Because deraisa, mind you, the money should be kone. That's the point. That it's a gezeras chazal. It's a takanos chazal that malos ain't konos. Right? Typically, I give Andrew money. At that moment, midaraisa, I acquire. Chachamim said, no, I don't want to be able to do that because if I did that, then, then that disincentivizes, again, in this case, Andrew's the one selling, right? So I could give him money and then Andrew said, oh, I'm sorry, your car was, the, went up in flames, the car that you bought from me. It went up in flames and now Andrew, it doesn't have to, right? He keeps the money. So that's, that's why the Chazal made the Takana that the Kenyan isn't Chal until I am Moshech, as follows. As soon as I give Andrew the money, because he's a car salesman, it, the car is mine. Why do we say that I have to get the car first in order for it to be considered mine? Maybe Andrew will tell me, which, which literally means that your wheat was uh, burnt up in the attic, but it really means your car was destroyed. I don't know where it is, and therefore he gets to hold on to it. Two dots mid-page. Here we go. Modem Bishar Kol Adam. That what? That Maos Konos. Ask the Gemara. Man Shar Kol Adam. Who is these, all these other people? I'm a Rav Balabais. It's talking about a regular Balabas. The Chedam Shmuel Balabais. The Amar Shmuel Lo Shanuel Anachtom. Again, back to Yaakov from Goldberg's. That if he's a, if he's a baker, so then you can't donate bread for someone who paid him. Of a Balabais Kona. But if it's just a regular res, uh, citizen, then it would be Kona. Amar Shmuel Lo Shanuel Ma'a. Right? They only taught that a ma or another type of money, right, money, uh, monetary payment can't acquire the Arab of al-kli kone. But wow, 
even by a store owner, owner is the Chiddush, that if what you did was give um, Yaakov from Goldberg's a utensil, that would be kone. It's only money that's a problem. Right? Rashi is explaining that, that again, if a person says, Zocheli, right, be mezake to me, so then obviously you're asking him to confirm ownership in some way. But arevli just means whatever you need to do, include me in the Erev. That's not like a monetary transactional directive. That's just saying, include me in the Erev, whatever it takes. So then if you tell Yaakov from Goldberg's that, he'll get the message. And shliach shavi v'kani. So again, as we said before, um, the message is really dependent and whether Andrew is going to be included in the Erev is going to be dependent on Yaakov from Goldberg's mindset when Andrew approaches him. So if he gives him money and Yaakov thinks this is some sort of monetary transaction, he wants bagels, so then it's not going to be good. Andrew won't be included in the Erev. But if whatever Andrew tells him, he's explicit that what he really wants ultimately is to be included in the Erev, that will create a mindset with Yaakov that he realizes that that's Andrew's intention, and therefore his mindset will be to include him in the Erev, and it will work. So we'll resume tomorrow, 15 lines up from the bottom, on Pe'alaf Amad Beis.